0: So here we are, uh, Beers with Peers, episode one, with... uh, With no beer. With no beer. Uh, You know, it was ill-planned that uh, going on keto to title a podcast about beer, but uh, it's uh, also shared beverages between friends. So uh, tonight we have uh, a a 12-year-aged Macallan. Yep. So cheers, mate.
1: Cheers. My go-to scotch... In times of quiet desperation.
0: Oh, did I ever get to why today was a weird day?
1: Uh.
0: I gave you the backstory. Yeah. Um, the pup sitter. So I gave you the backstory on the pup sitter. So his grandfather waitless today. Okay. And I went. Okay. And. I was kind of reached out to by his mom's boyfriend, and like I've known them for since high school. You know what I mean? I've known all of them, Mm -hmm. even though she's just been with him. Been uh, his mom has been with her like since six years. They're going on like six years or whatever. Okay, but it's like I've known him since my sophomore year of high school. Yeah, and we had that falling out. What? going to be so five years ago okay i have not really talked to him or this that and the other and Yeah, i was like i'm just gonna go and we're gonna see
1: all it plays out uh, a friend of mine once told me that his dad told him if the loved one, if a loved one of one of your friends dies you put on a suit and you go to the funeral you you never regret it it's always the right thing to do um. So, I mean, I haven't heard the rest of the story, but still probably a good move. Well,
0: in short, I put on the suit and it was the right thing to do. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? There, we didn't really talk too much about the time in between. It's focusing more on we have now. Yeah. And I'm fine with that. Yeah. You know, like, I don't need to drum up that, you know what I mean, stuff went sideways stuff went sideways. Yeah. Very obvious. Yeah. Uh, so it's, I feel it, I feel it's a growing point for me as a person to just kind of work on forgiveness of other people. And I think you and me have had conversations about- Oh, we're coming
1: back around to my-
0: uh, Forgiving, but not forgetting.
1: Yes, but we're also coming back around to like my uh, grad thesis nugget of wisdom, right? But that theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer. We must learn to regard people less in the light of what they do or omit to do and more in the light of what they suffer. People always let you down. They always make terrible mistakes. Even things that at the time seemed justified, but in the light of time passing, feel like mistakes. People always do stuff like that. Uh, Some people are deliberately cruel to you. And you can be pissed at them and stay pissed at them forever. But it doesn't really do any good. It doesn't really serve you, right, long term. But if you think about why they did that, sometimes they did that because you did something to piss them off and that's legit but sometimes you know things are un- kind of unprovoked and you didn't deserve what you got but you still have to look at it like w- what made them what made them do that are they going through something else that we haven't even considered and is what that other thing that they're going through is that affecting how they're behaving towards you, you know? Um, So you put on the suit and you went to the funeral.
0: I did. It's the right thing to do. And that's how I felt. Uh, Where he had already gone to, to the family house where the Reception is the correct word for after the wake?
1: Uh, yes, I guess so. Some people call it a collation. I don't know why, but I, 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 I only... Don't le-
0: know, I don't know which operative term I only, the correct one. I
1: only learned that when my grandmother died in the early 2000s, <laughs> and I did a series of dry point etchings Basically, they were uh, portraits of her based on photographs from her life. And uh, I was trying to figure out a more elegant way of talking about the party at the end of a funeral. Uh, And so I looked it up and I learned that people call it the collation. And I think that's what I titled the last one of those things in the series, you know. I don't. I don't. Collation.
0: But anyways, the the party with the family at uh, the family member's house that's coincidentally also in Bridgewater, like five minutes from the fu- like not even from the funeral. Home. Okay. Um, which from growing up with him, I had spent many summers at that house mm. and with Ash. Like that was the pool house during the summer mm. that. Didn't matter what day of the week, you know, we had, we had, you know what I mean, thirsty Tuesdays, thirsty Thursdays, why not Wednesdays, and fuck it Fridays, like, <laughs> and then the weekend's just the weekend, um, but yeah, like, any day, like, any day of the week, we could have been like, say anybody going to the pool, like, yeah. if it's gorgeous, and people just materialized, um, so for me, his
1: parents were cool with that. Huh? His parents were cool with that. So
0: it's his aunt's, hu- it's uh, his aunt's house. Not even, his parents, not even house. his parents' house. It's his aunt's house. And just because.
1: And she was just aunt, like a neighborhood aunt.
0: She is a neighborhood party animal. Like, okay. That, uh, that her husband. Um, I don't know where I got there at a little after one. And surprisingly, I had not yet had coffee. But then once I got there and we started talking, he's like, all right, we need to go find whiskey. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) So I had whiskey before my coffee and I didn't complain, but I'm all like, so it's going to be this kind of afternoon. Mm -hmm. Um, But then uh, her husband was all like, make sure she doesn't find this. I'm not trying to have that kind of an afternoon. If that's how the day proceeded. That we pretty much killed what was left of this ancient bottle of Seagram's V.O., which Oof. was definitely a little on the brutal side, but yeah. it is what it is. Yeah, um, it is not a, a sipping scotch. No. <laughs> um, but uh, there's always the uh, you know what I mean. We all you know what I mean. We all have our our ways to proceed with. What passing is sure? And toasts are in order of celebrating sure life, and that was you know what I mean. Our drug of choice. Yep. <laughs> as you will.
1: Yep. I know it's a bit of a non sequitur, but uh, if anybody, you, I'm the king of those. Yes, that's true. So I'm gonna um, do my best to keep uh, stay in the ring with you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, We should probably, in case anybody can hear this music that's playing, we should probably give credit, right? Because then legally we can have it playing in the background if we give credit, I think.
0: I'm not 100% sure how this works. Neither am I. Anyway,
1: um, as it relates to uh, that concert that we talked about in the preamble, um, this is a remastered version of The Queen is Dead by the Smiths. Um, Which they put out, I think, in 2017.
0: So then just in case the preamble does not manage to make its way in, uh, you went to go see...
1: Johnny Marr, who was the guitarist of the Smiths uh, and has now a very robust and amazing solo career um, with a new album that came out in the winter, like late winter of 2018. And he was to support um, but he also played a lot of Smith songs and uh, electronic songs which is a band that he sort of a super group that he formed in the 90s with Bernard Sumner of New Order and no, the guy's name escapes me but the drummer from Pet Shop Boys um, and all those songs sound like uh, well they sound like if the guitarist from the smiths played guitar for the pet shop boys and the guy from new order was singing lead on pet shop boy songs like it's just this incredibly good amalgamation of all three um in any case what we're listening to is a remaster of the queen is dead which originally came out in like 1985 i think uh the remaster came out in 2017 and it includes uh three discs the third disc of which is a previously unreleased live album uh from 1986 which they titled live in boston but it was actually at great woods or xfinity center which is what they call it now (coughs) yeah um And we're listening to it because it makes me happy. Uh, It's been on... It and Johnny Marr and Morrissey and The Smiths and New Order and Electronic and Pet Shop Boys have all been on heavy rotation since Since that concert. Yeah. Um, And I was listening to it when you came in and I was working in the studio, so it just stayed on. Because music... In the background of conversation is a good thing to have. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Music in the studio is always a good thing. To oh, have. I can't
1: can't live without it. I absolutely cannot live without it. Um, do you have an any sort of an agenda? Kind of. Okay.
0: But uh, I feel that you know what I mean since this is episode one. Uh, yeah. I'm not trying to be too targeted, uh, and I also feel that that's also why you are episode one is. Yeah. Your undergrad and our, you know what I mean, uh, grad grad, uh, grad school experience. Yeah. Uh, conversations are pretty, you know what I mean, genuine and just happen very organically. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I do have some bullet points that I of okay. figured out from when I kind of planned this thing. Mm. Uh, and I know we've just been trying to, you know, narrow down. Uh, a time and date, and
1: yeah, I mean, it's been tough because school was wrapping up, but that's just about done now. I have
0: I saw Kim, what's today? Saturday? I think so. So, I saw her yesterday. Oh, it, funny enough, as I was uh, at the doctor, like trying to figure out my stuff. For oh, yeah, my procedure that I have coming up, yeah. And, uh, saw her coming out as I was just dropping stuff off in the car and then go to the other office. Okay. Like, oh, hi. And uh, she was with her daughter, who I had
1: never met. Oh, uh, yeah, Mora. She's a good egg. We like Maura. Um. Yeah, so we've got like one faculty meeting in the middle of the week next week. It's like a half a day's work, but um, as long as uh, you're a good doobie, like me, mm-hmm. um, and your grades are done. Uh, you're on summer vacation right now, with the exception of that one meeting. So, I am, and I'm in full road trip prep. So, uh, which
0: is where you leave on the eighth? correct?
1: Yeah, we leave on the eighth, a week from today. Uh, for Alaska? For Alaska, technically, but we're going right. the circuitous route. Uh, And we're actually headed to North Carolina first because... You are a granddad. I'm a granddad. And I need to meet that baby. She's... you can't have all the fun. No. Uh, Well, she hasn't actually met the baby yet. She went down for...
0: She technically met the baby, but baby was in utero. Right. (laughs) Baby was Uh, still in a, you know what I mean, little little mobile hotel.
1: Right. Um, She was, yeah, she went down for the baby shower. Um, and then Nora my granddaughter came on April 29th Um, and uh, it just mm, I wanted to go down at the start of it so badly but it actually just made more sense to wait because she had tons of people going down at the beginning her sister went down and her mom went down and Um, The dad's parents only live a couple hours away from where they are in Chapel Hill. And uh, so they've been there and Robin's been out to the coast to see them too. And (coughs) so now here we are uh, a month later and all that extra help is sort of dying down. Her brother was there uh, over Memorial Day weekend. but now that help is starting to die down, and uh, they're setting settling into a routine and I thought that ahead. might you like it one more time? no, I thought <laughs> that that might be a good time for me to me and Becky to show up and offer a little bit of help. She might be getting a little run down at this point, you know um, and I think we timed it right um, and We also thought, you know, if we went down some weekend while school was still in session, we'd basically have one day and then we'd have to leave. And that would be harder than waiting until now to go down and be able to spend, you know, a solid week with them. (coughs) I don't know why I got this tickle in my throat all of a sudden. Maybe it's the scotch. Um, Maybe it is. Maybe
0: it's not enough. Maybe it's not enough. Somewhere in between.
1: Could be. Um, I'm always inclined to err on the side of it not being enough and have just a little bit more. Um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. We'll spend about a week down there. And then speaking of Scotch, um, and whiskey in general, we're going to head west from there and, uh, travel through Tennessee and, uh, then up into Kentucky. And, do some of the bourbon trail um, and then just head north from there and go west when we hit Minneapolis, Um, go up into Alaska from Montana uh, and we'll see. The the goal, like three years ago, for whatever reason, I woke up one day thinking on my 50th birthday, I want to be Standing in the Arctic Ocean, in Alaska, that's what I, that's what I want, and uh, we've been able to, you know, put some things in place and and make it happen. Um, I mean, it hasn't happened yet, but we've we've you're,
0: you're on the track. <coughs> we're
1: we're on track to um, to make it happen. So July 11th, I've got to be in Prudhoe Bay, Alaska. Um, which involves the last 500 miles between Fairbanks and Prudhoe Bay um, are essentially gravel a little over 400 of that is called the Dalton Highway which is a road that the Army Corps of Engineers built to haul oil out of the oil fields at the Arctic Ocean up in Prudhoe Bay uh, there isn't anything up there really except for oil fields and The occasional um, traveler with uh, questionable sanity Mm -hmm. who wants to go there just so they can say they've been there. (laughs) (coughs) But now I'm counting myself among those people. Um, So we'll see what happens. And then on the way back, it'll be a little more chill. We'll see some more of the national parks in Alaska and then stay in Canada, and do a bunch of Canadian national parks on the way back, too. So, we'll be gone for almost two months. Yep.
0: And as uh, you and Becky are, you know, uh, enjoyers of the wilderness, uh, I think... We are that. The two months that you're going to be gone are just going to be part of that adventure.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm excited to see a lot of national parks that I haven't been able to see, and a lot of that Northwest yeah <laughs> a lot of northwest country that i haven't uh gotten to yet you know travel the northern part of wyoming which i haven't seen yet and all of south dakota and montana i'm excited about that meet some new people take a sketchbook or two see what happens you know um you
0: know and why you're out there you know You'll find somewhere to pick up some,
1: some materials. Oh, sure, yeah, I'll figure it out. Um, I've been uh, really content in my sketchbook lately, though.
0: You've been
1: doing some fun um, stuff in there. Uh, yeah. Um, I've been really grooving on these, like, Little collage appropriated bags. portraits, yeah, that I'm doing, like, weird stuff with. It's kind of like me having a conversation with a photographic portrait of a Greek sculpture or whatever. I um i don 't know exactly what they're about, but i I do sort of feel like I want to be uh, expanding on them uh, when I get back because I kind of think the, the idea Into, like, has a legs or? yep on onto a bigger surface um and maybe with You know, the the Greek sculptures just kind of like, they just kind of are like a placeholder, you know? Um, They were like a, they were like a a jumping off point. Um, And there wasn't any particular personal connection with them. They were just faces that I didn't feel guilty about drawing on. <coughs> um but I no- find
0: guilt to be to be an interesting choice of words uh, oh yeah especially like for for coming from my experience of uh, especially with the recent body of work being primarily portraits mm. and that likeness carries a weight to a sense
1: sure yeah yeah um yeah I it I mean I don't think you really lose the likeness when you um, interact with them the way that I have been necessarily, um, but you are messing with the preciousness of the likeness to a certain extent, you know. Um, and I think that I, anyway, it's it's a bad thing to have. I think, but I, I have a very personal connection. With portraits that I make, I feel very emotionally invested in them, Um, and I've been looking for a way to break that emotional investment because I think (coughs) I think when you do better art can result, right? Like you're pushing the boundaries of moving material around without worrying worrying too much about. whether you've just somehow eradicated the, the, your favorite part of, I just used air quotes there for <laughs> those listening, you know, it's a terrible thing, very, ugh, it's gross, air quotes, but anyway, um,
0: I think the best reference to <coughs> air quotes, uh, we've, we've been watching uh, Super Slower, uh, mm. with America Ferreira. We have two Um Love so, that show So I didn't know that so Mateo was yeah. at my original like reference point for him Yeah He is in Fancy Rich Agents I don't know what that is It's a uh, it's a book series uh it's a trilogy I believe um and it's one of the first movies that has a fully like you know what I mean? Aside from like kung fu movies and this that the other, yeah. Like it's a, kind of a rom com, but like a big, a pretty decent budget uh, that is a full Asian cast. Okay. So, crazy rich Asians, like
1: yeah, whatever. You kind of got to be Asian yeah. to yeah. Uh,
0: and you know, I found I found like that. You know what I mean? The whitewashing of Asians has been you know what I mean throughout the culture of oh. even kung fu movies. Uh, it's even in uh, Superstore with Cheyenne yeah. she like she's Asian, but it, there are certain episodes I'm all like, you know what I mean? You're like this close to being a geisha, you know? Yeah. <laughs> we just need to, you know, we some rosier cheeks and we might be there. Uh, but it's when they're trapped. I don't know if you've got gotten up to the blizzard episode. Oh yeah. And then Cheyenne goes, I hate when you do the uh, those. Bunny ears with your fingers. <laughs> 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 <coughs> and you yeah. want to almost go do
1: it. Eh. Air, air quotes are gross. But um, uh, sometimes they're just like a very shorthand way of saying, I'm using this ironically, and I understand that, you know, it's not right. And you got to understand that I mean something else by what I'm saying. Um,
0: so I think this is the funniest two minutes that we've probably taken yeah. just to explain you know what I mean? The, Dear the,
1: Jesus, the, the I know.
0: Ir- the ironicality or ironicness of air quotes. Of air quotes, <laughs> right.
1: But, uh, yeah, when I, so when I say preciousness, you know, uh, I mean that emotional attachment that you get to a, an artwork where you're unwilling to change it, to destroy it maybe, to wipe out some parts of it, which would make it better art, but take away from the, here they come again, air quotes, perfection of the drawing, right? Or the likeness, if we're working with a portrait of somebody that we love or whatever that we're inclined to get emotionally attached to anyway. (coughs) So anyway, that's why I think the Greek sculptures made a good stand-in at the beginning for me to work through half a book's worth of these things to figure out what they're about, you know? Um, And now I'm ready to... Dive into those on a bigger scale and probably with more familiar people. Uh, I definitely want to give give it a shot with a portrait of Becky. Um, I don't know who else. Uh, I'm looking at new right now, thinking, huh? Uh, I I I could see that happening and. Lasers coming out of your eyes and whatever. Um, but I'm gonna have to sit on that for a while because I'm leaving in a week and. Yeah. Um, but
0: uh, you're leaving in a week and you're just gonna dive into your sketchbook to, for the two months that you're gone and. Yep. You know, really kind of just. I made myself see what, a. See what that that idea feels like. Right,
1: I've made myself a poshod box out of a little cigar box and, uh, I've got. My favorite sketchbook in there. Um, Do you have you ever used these? These are awesome. I think Um, they're made by a company that's owned by Speedball, but they are called. I always forget what they're called. They are called Handbook. It's like hand asterisk book. Okay. Um, And they're like they're five and a half by eight, so they're half letter size. Hard bound with yeah, cloth covers, and they 're nice, and the paper is good, like can get good quality drawing on probably them like
0: 100, pounds?
1: I think it I think, yeah, one hundred pound it's not super, um, not super thick paper, uh, but it 's durable enough, it holds up. Um, and it, you know, they hold up. It holds up well to, like, the abuse of acrylic paint and, um, some and stuff. some wash stuff and some collage too. You know, um, so, uh, I buy they're like 15 bucks a piece for these, which I think is kind of spendy, but, um, maybe that's because you know I try to do. You can there, push it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are, prob- there are people that probably do more than I do, but I, I try to do two of these a year. Okay. Um, I try to do one over the summer and then one over the school year. And the one over the school year obviously takes a little bit longer, but I'm teaching five classes, you know? So um, my so productivity just, uh, goes down to a, little bit. To that a little bit. Um, yeah. So,
0: what is your position over at Catskill?
1: Uh, full-time art faculty, and I teach painting and drawing and printmaking and uh, AP studio art.
0: And what is Cats Academy?
1: Cats Academy is a boarding school in Braintree. That, um, it's an international boarding school where roughly 95% of the students are from someplace other than here uh half of them I you know if we use like really rounded numbers, half of them come from Asian countries and the other half come from former Easter Eastern Bloc countries and South America. So we have a lot of kids from China <coughs> and Korea and Vietnam and Hong Kong. Uh, and then we also have a number of kids from Um, Eastern European slash, you know, Western Middle East countries who are on good enough terms to get into the country on student visas at any given moment. Um, uh, And and then kids from South America and also North America. There are a, a number of Mexican kids that are there, but also a lot of brazilian kids um and then this year we also had our first student ever from egypt we have a couple kids from morocco uh it's like a
0: giant melting pot
1: it is it's the whole world in 10 acres of space in braintree um in a building the academic building was actually an old tuberculosis hospital (coughs) it's totally not haunted Nope. Um,
0: Funny enough, side note, I yeah. heard that uh, the building where my studio is, which then uh, also encompasses a, uh, a favorite restaurant spot of ours, that, uh, yes. is very haunted. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, that's fun. <laughs>
1: that's fun. Um, I've never actually experienced anything creepy in... The academic building at Katz, but I'm just thinking it was a tuberculosis hospital. People died there. The remnants of the crematorium are still down in the basement. Um, don't there kind of have to be ghosts? I, I haven't met any yet, but I'm hopeful, I guess.
0: So, you know what I mean? Kind of as we've kind of been traversing from sketchbooks to figure paintings. Uh, you just had a show come down uh, at the Wall Gallery at Crystal Brewing. Right. Uh, which was also kind of still a showcasing of uh, work that you had at uh, the Co Creative Center in New Bedford.
1: Yeah, uh, kind of a smaller version of that show. Which
0: was Cartography. The
1: Cartography of Impossible Spaces.
0: Uh, so then, just to kind of backtrack a little bit, that as far as our grad school experience. Yep. Uh, I'm not trying to fit in all of you at all. Feel free to just extrapolate, or I mean, uh, that we were both kind of like in a figurative pursuit. um, Yeah. That for I know, like this was kind of like my real big bonding moment for uh, Jenny Morgan. uh, You know what I mean? Because when we were in New York, I saw her uh, body of work that was uh, How to Find a Ghost. Oh yeah. that has that portrait uh, that's of this guy, David, that's a good friend of hers. And I felt very connected to it visually. Yeah. And it was as I was writing my thesis that I got like the like full like information about it and that like while she is painting David, that he is going through the the, the grief of losing losing his mom. Oh wow. So yeah. it is very much just like this you know what I mean, into the looking glass. Yep. For me, yep. with that body of work that I'm working on, my thesis body of work, which is me processing my mom, which I lost my first year of grad school. And so like it's just this full like three sixty of you know what I mean that in a way uh this like catharsis of grief. Yeah. That your you know what I mean for conversations that we have You know what I mean? Had during grad school that your grad body of work was very much using, you know what I mean, people you are familiar with as stand-ins as you're kind of exploring the, you know, exploring the grief of your father in a visual format.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, so I think I started uh, in a figurative way in grad school because I I don't know how much you want to get into the how untraditional a student I am in terms of me being old and whatnot. But We
0: technically went off went, uh, we technically uh, you know what I mean, hopped that with uh, Alaska by that you said that on your 50th birthday which is July 11th all right. that you are going to have your feet in some Arctic water,
1: and yeah, we haven't talked yet about how you were my chaperone on a field trip. <laughs> um,
0: I, I wasn't necessarily planning on going there. I thought point. really, I thought
1: really, the world might end that day. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I didn't get a chance to go back to school until I was thirty-five. I and sort I- of. I sort of. You had
0: already lived a full life. I had lived
1: a lot of life. Um, I blew it in high school, and I didn't graduate on time. Uh, And then I got my. Amazing kids. I got my girlfriend pregnant, and we had my son, uh, and we got married, and we had two more kids, both of my daughters. Um, And we had a pretty good run, but that marriage came to an end after about eighteen years. I mean, we tried, you know. But when we started, we were we were kids. A lot of printmaking came out of it, and so. But at at, I was 35, and I was running um, this small uh, bike shop concern in Boston. I was going to call it a chain, but it wasn't really a chain because it had two stores. Um, But it it was a it was a big shop in the nineties, it did like eight or 10 million bucks a year in bike sales. So like it, you know, moved moved a lot of, no, I mean, one of the big, biggest bike shops in the country. Um, And I was working a consumer trade show and I fell and I broke my elbow when I was uh, loading the truck up after that was over. Um, It was probably the best thing that ever happened to me um, I decided at that point to leave that. And I, uh, went to work at a smaller bike shop in the town where I was living. Um, I was two miles away. I could basically ride my bike through the woods the whole way from home to the shop. So that was pretty great. Um, but it also, uh, gave me a much more flexible schedule and I decided to start taking a couple of classes and, Uh, when I was a kid I had been accepted to art school and then didn't graduate on time and I wasn't able to go and you know then the kids came and I was very preoccupied with that sort of stuff Um, life happens happens. I mean and we had a pretty cool little family going and um, I'm super blessed by the kids that I end up having, but you know, it's still like
0: you have a lifetime of stories and, <laughs> and most of the ones that I've heard have been pretty fucking awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- yeah, there's like no regrets there. It's just that things happen to get done a little bit out of order, right? But I found myself at the age of 35 with a job with less responsibility than I had had in a long time. My kids getting into Early teen years, uh, so needing less day-to-day, minute-to-minute care, say, right? And I kind of remembered that...
0: And more, Dad, I'm fine.
1: Right, yeah. Dad, I'm playing Mario, will you just leave me alone? Um, actually, it was Sonic. Uh, but...
0: Which looks completely strange to be brought into a... Uh, live action format just saying I'll, I'll put a pin in that and they...
1: yeah I don't know about that but um,
0: it's, it's also strange like Detective Pikachu actually looks somewhat in the ballpark um, Sonic does, just looks strange
1: oh okay um, so I had this opportunity and for whatever reason one of the first classes I decided to take I knew that I was going to go back to art school that I I knew I wanted to sort of pick up where that left off. Um, And for whatever reason, one of the first classes I picked was a printmaking class. I I think I took a printmaking class and a drawing class at the same time. Um, And I remember what format or? What, the printmaking? Um, It was actually like, I think it was called a printmaking survey, which Oddly enough, is what I call my printmaking class now, um, but it was a little bit of everything. I mean, it taught me about uh, monotype and a little bit about relief, um, and a little bit about litho, but not real litho, like the not
0: stone litho,
1: not stone litho, but the the
0: aluminum.
1: No, the um, the polyester paper oh, okay. stuff. I can't remember what that's called anymore. I haven't used it in a while. Um,
0: I don't even remember using it. I don't even think I got to the point of even, like, I, like my history of stone is just really stoneless. Yeah. Uh, we had the opportunity to do some aluminum, but I just never, like, I was just stone the whole time. Yeah. Since, I, since it's available.
1: Yeah. So. Um, but, I, you know, that was one semester, and everything I made there was dreadful, but, and the same is probably true for the drawing class. But it just sort of got me, like, back into it. You know um, yeah, um, and I found that this local community college had a really active art department um, and within that uh, really active printmaking program um, that as an adult learner, I was able to exact some influence over with the things that I was getting into you know um, like I started getting having an interest in some light dabbling in letterpress and so the professor that ran that program was like "Ah, let's go out and buy a letterpress Um, and I kind of stuck around as a one or two class a semester adult learner for a long time eventually that led to a 10 year BFA which the last two years I did full time at Um, UMass. And I did it in, in print. And most of what I did was relief. That's just sort of like, where I landed, I don't that carving process is really cathartic and whatever. All of this is a very circuitous way to say that um, when I, I I wanted to stay in grads. I wanted to stay in school, move into grad school out of undergrad um, because I knew that I wanted my MFA because I knew that I wanted to teach. But
0: after, but, uh, after a conversation with uh, you and your lovely wife and being like, well, let's weigh the options
1: and and see what happens. Right. The, the big risk, though, was with a BFA in printmaking. Was that I was not going to apply to grad. School. I was only going to apply to stay at UMass because we live here in Taunton. We have a house. I didn't want to commute into the city every day. I'm not moving to some other grad program somewhere else in the country. In addition to these 20-something kids, I also have a 70-something mom. You know, uh, and my sister and my brother-in-law are close by. Like my life is here, and this I'm is not your central. Home right and if i were which is why your
0: studio wound up being in part of your central hub right
1: and if if i were 23 or 24 i would probably think about it differently but i was 40 something at the time and um i was just it was my option you know so it was either that or it was not going to happen but i decided to risk it a little bit further and apply for uh entrance into the painting program instead of the printmaking program. Usually what people do is uh, continue their study and whatever their expertise is. Right. But I knew that I wanted to be more versatile. Uh, the rest of my life is sort of rooted in versatility. Right. I build hot rods and I do my own work on my own house and like I'm sort of a Renaissance guy that is good at a lot of things and excellent at almost nothing and but I I wanted this more well-rounded approach to my education and so uh, at the very end of undergrad I started doing a little bit of painting um, and Tied it thematically in with the printmaking that I was doing, and and ended up putting a couple paintings in my printmaking thesis undergrad thesis show. Um, And
0: pretty good group, like most of you.
1: uh, that class was pretty good. There were a lot of really good people. Yeah, I think.
0: You, John, Tori, Brad.
1: No, John and Tori finished undergrad when when we finished grad school. Yeah. Um, So
0: Brad was with.
1: Uh, Brad was with me. Yeah.
0: yeah. Cause I remember him installing like that grid of heads.
1: Yeah. Right. Right. And.
0: I they
1: have, I think three or four of them, Something like that. Um. <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember the names of other people. Uh a South American guy that went on to grad school in New Mexico and now lives in Connecticut. He's a very good figurative painter. Really tight, but very, very good.
0: Yeah, very tight, but very good.
1: Yeah. Um, I can't remember his name.
0: He was in the back corner. Yep. uh, Facing the windows. Yep. it's going to bug the shit out of me. Yep. Uh, He had a a kind of a, I
1: know once we remember, it'll come back around, uh, kind of a similar story, right? He was in undergrad as an adult with kids and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so I decided to, uh, Bergoli, also technically graduated with me. Um, I decided to like keep this whole thing going Um, but in summer of 2008, uh, which is about six years before, um, six years before I finished undergrad, my dad died and it was very sudden. He was 65, six foot four, 250 pounds, picture of health. He had celiac disease, but that was well under control. My sister has that too. Uh, But he had an aortic aneurysm. uh, And it shredded his aorta right at the entrance to his heart. Um, And unfortunately, when something like that happens to you, you never get to find out that that's what happened. Um, Usually, it's your family that finds out after the fact. And that's That's what happened. Um, He had just had a physical the week before. Uh, He had had a stress test. He came out with flying colors. Like, he was externally, anyway, the picture of health. And then on August 27th, he was gone. Um, And I... have still a feeling of such profound loss that I can't really find words. So I was hoping that painting maybe could help with that a little bit. Um, And
0: coincidentally, that also some words that uh, accompany those uh, those visuals as far as grad school is concerned.
1: Oh, yeah, right. That's true. I Yeah, I don't know if any of it actually worked, but uh, I mean, I became a painter as a result and uh, a much better draftsman as a result um, of just sort of Diving into the work, right, the work itself is cathartic there 's no doubt about that um, but i don 't know that it gets me to a better place concerning the loss of my dad right. i don 't think that 's true at all uh, so now it 's summer of two thousand and nineteen it'll be it 'll be eleven years, and i He is not necessarily the first person I think about when I wake up in the morning, like he, it, like he used to be, at, soon after he was gone. Uh, but there isn't like that. There's there's
0: triggers. There isn't a day
1: that goes by, and there yes there are triggers, and when I get to talking about him, like we are now, it's very, it's very fresh. I think part of it is that. And people aren't going to believe me when I say it. My father never once let me down. He never failed to. Live up to whatever expectation. You had. I had of him. As a little kid. As a teenager, sometimes I didn't like what he had to say to me as a teenager. But that's because I was a punk. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He never let me down as an adult. He never, never let me down. Um, And so I think, well, holy smoke. If (sighs) why would somebody like that get taken away from the people who love him so much so soon. That doesn't make any sense. Here we are a decade later. I still have not made sense of it. I, I just don't think it makes sense. I don't know that you can make sense of it, but I also can't stop trying. It's like it's a compulsion. You know, I can't stop trying to make sense of it. Now, I do have the benefit of hindsight now to a certain extent. And so not everything I do is rigidly connected to that idea. Right. But that Bonhoeffer quote from earlier is very much a result of all of that thinking. And uh, I just sort of, I think the reason my dad never let me down was in large part because of the way he treated other people not just me um, I'm you know we would run into somebody at the grocery store and he would be super sweet with them and he would go on and on and on with them and then we'd get in the car and he'd be like oh my goodness that guy talks your ear off I mean my father was the one talking people's ears off but like he 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 didn't ever not get exasperated or something, you know, but he always presented himself to other people in a way that they felt welcomed and loved and appreciated and made them believe that he was willing to do whatever he could for them, which I think is true. And so that, I think, has led me to a place where I think that way. Now, how am I living that out? Um, And so a lot of my work has to do with the relationship that I have with other people now, Um, sort of my father living on through me in a way that would. Honor his memory.
0: I've been trying to like figure out how I was going to tie this in and that like from with the sketchbooks and that they have been this exercise of things, objects, these Greek statues that you've been extrapolating and appropriating and then as you were kind of like bringing it back to thinking about you know what I mean bringing people that you know into mm-hmm. the mix of the way that you interpret these portraits. And I still think it's very true that even for, for from when we saw this video in grad school of Jim Dine when he was doing that oh, yeah. uh, that workshop yep. in Austria. Yep. And he, he's just talking with the interviewer about that, you know... Painting, you know what I mean? Painting slash drawing people that I don't know, doesn't do anything for me. It's that, you know what I mean? Having that connection to your model. Yeah. Is really part of the experience of making the work. Sure. I mean,
1: you can work technically from somebody that you don't know. Right. Um, But yeah, the way you get to, I think, transcendent figurative art is by working with people you love or have a connection with somehow.
0: And I think that, you know what I mean, as you saw, my last body of work that was at uh, Co-Creative, that was just the... You know, I mean, the same kind of reaction that I was getting from people who were viewing the work was that they were responding to it because they felt that there was this connection that was happening between you and the sitter in the portraits. Yeah. Even though most of the portraits were me just appropriating photos that the sitters have had taken or the sitters had taken of each other. Yeah, um, or that I had taken of some of the, you know what I mean, some of the models, um, and it was this interesting dichotomy of who was who was the one to capture, and then that I would then interpret. Um, yeah,
1: but you have, you, but I
0: have a connection to whoever the whoever the subject is, right? And that connection is what,
1: and you know enough about them to for thoughts of them to occupy your imagination while you're working on the portrait. Right. So even if you're working from a photo reference, you're still looking at the likeness of that person and thinking about what they mean to you and how you know each other. And all, I mean, all of those things end up in a painting. Yeah. Yeah.